folks, do you love movies? The good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this episode where we are talking all about the Bad Batch episode, Battle Scars. Battle Scars. <laughs> Charlotte could not stop doing the uh, the Twilight Battle Scars reference. I had to. It's yeah. the only thing I had to do. Yeah, it, yeah, we had to do it. Um, and actually, before we get started, we are really excited because Charlotte and I are recording in a podcast studio. Like We're a, so Like pumped. a real one. <laughs> like a real one. As you guys know, uh, we record in our closets um, in our apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. It works. It works so well. Um, have since day one been in a podcast uh, recording studio closet. Yeah. Um, but today, we, as you guys may know if you follow us online, uh, Charlotte and I are together this weekend in New York City actually having a bit of a long weekend situation. We've been having a really good time, eating a lot of food. Um, but Bad Batch was this weekend. Yeah. So, you know, this is like our third time watching Bad Batch together. This never happens. This never happens. Never so happens. it's like, it's awesome. So, and it was really good for this episode too. Oh my God. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Oh my, you guys, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we decided, uh, that we would try to find a podcasting studio here in New York. Try and, something new. Yeah. Try something new. And we were able to, we're at a place called Gotham Podcast Studio today and, Y'all, this is so professional. I don't think you know. There's someone watching us recording right now. Yeah, she's awesome. (laughs) Her name is Joy. Shout out to Joy. (laughs) She's been great uh, so far. But yeah, we're um, if we sound a little nervous, that's probably why. We'll slip into it. So yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. It'll be good. But uh, yeah, we're really excited to talk about this episode because we all knew this was coming. Yeah, I know. This episode, we knew it was coming. We've been talking about it. We've been tracking it. We've been tracking it. We've been tracking Wrecker's headaches. Mm -hmm. Poor Wrecker. Poor Wrecker. So this episode was called Battle Scars. It aired on June 11th, the day of recording. It was directed by Saul Ruiz, and it was written by Jennifer Corbett. When the Jennifer Corbett name came up, I was like, of course she had to Mm -hmm. write this one. Like, this is the first one, I think. Maybe she wrote the pilot. I can't remember. No. Wasn't it the freelance writer who did the pilot? or was the That's the second episode? one. Second Cut and episode. run. Yeah. I can't remember, but regardless, it's like, yeah, Jennifer Corbett is writing this one because it's an important pivotal episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we do need to take a second to shout out that most of the writers so far this season have been women. It's actually. Awesome. I think, I think all of them, maybe save for one. Yeah. No, uh, the editor. I can't, <laughs> Matt. Matt. Mitch, Mitch, no, no yes, bits, yeah. he wrote one. But I think all the other episodes have been women. I know. And it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you guys know we're always gunning for more representation and especially more women writers, um, especially for animated shows. And I think Bad Batch has definitely stepped up to the plate as far as having women writers on it. So it's been a like, a I don't know, in the past animated shows, I feel like has there hasn't been a 50 50 situation in terms of writers. Mm-hmm. And so it's been really nice to see that. And I feel like it genuinely comes through. Like, I feel yeah. like. The episodes all pack in the emotional needs, I mm-hmm. guess, of each episode. And I don't know. It's the, just awesome. The fact that we're talking about, like, soft moments in Constantly. All, throughout, all throughout this series, I think that's that feels more like a woman's touch. And we've had a majority of women writers so far on the show, um, yeah. which has been great. We do uh, have Sol Ruiz back directing, and we've seen him a ton, which is great, of course, from Resistance and throughout. He did a lot in Cloner Season 7, too, and now here in Bad Batch. So yeah. I think it's been great. But Charlotte and I watched this episode early this morning, barely had any coffee, <laughs> as per usual when it comes to Bad Batch, and uh, it was 
like we said at the top end of the show, uh, we all saw this coming. <laughs> we really did all see this coming. And what did you think of this episode, like, overall? I thought it was so good. Is this your favorite? This is this is not my favorite. <laughs> oh my so god! Far. I still the Fennec episode is still one of my favorites, and also you know the Martez sisters episode. I love that episode. I think this episode was really great, but it's kind of like I don't know. I felt like I had more questions at the end of all of our other episodes, whereas this one this one feels really self contained. Yeah, I think as far as. We have the problem that has been Rutgers headaches, and we pretty much resolved it at the end. You know, it feels it feels very tied up neatly. This like inhibitor chip question mm. for all of them because presumably they all got it out. We really only saw Rucker and Tech kind of go through the surgery, but I think we're led to assume that they all did. So it feels like this has been such a big thing that we've been talking about kind of all season with the inhibitor chips of what are they going to do? We speculated about them going back to Camino about it. We'll talk about that in a little bit but it does feel like honestly i'm kind of surprised that the inhibitor chip problem is over mm-hmm. now you know i think i expected it i think i expected that to really kind of be drawn out for quite a while but we're done with it i mean i i don't know that but as of right now we're done there's been several like i feel like they've brought up a lot, we've talked about this but yeah. they brought up like several conflicts right so we have like the crosshair problem we have the inhibitor chip problem we have the question about omega and everyone tracking omega Mm -hmm. so to me it actually makes sense that of all of those what's the one that's going to be dealt with first the inhibitor chip because it it has to it was it was a ticking time bomb right so like yeah quite literally yeah literally and i think they even say that I swear. I think Rex does. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> so, think he does. So I think that it's, um, I don't know, of all of them, it makes sense to me that this was the one that would be wrapped up mid-season, because now we're getting mid-season, which is, like, actually kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I expected all of these problems to basically, <laughs> like, imagining the most chaotic finale ever, Oh, my God, where, I know. Where they're all happening at the same time. This has been my theory, right? That they're all going to go back to Camino to figure out how to help Rucker to get Crosshair back, figure out what is the deal with Omega, and then we're going to have Fennec thrown in there No, so chaotic. That's, it's, it's, too too it's, it's too chaotic. It's too chaotic. And Jennifer why... knew. That's why she wrote this episode. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. The fact that it was Rex, who was in the hologram, like there's several things that the show was doing. That's like, how did we not? I, I don't, I don't I, know. I'm, I'm angry. I passed Kayla because we talked about then the last episode. We talked about Rex being the person that has to remove the chip anyway. Yeah, and I think I, I even said like they're going to go to this planet where there's all those shipyards and they're going to use yeah. one of the Republic cruisers that mm-hmm. is down because that's exactly the type type of facility that Ahsoka removed the chip in for Rex and. That's going to be his knowledge point, and that's why he's here. And that's exactly what happened. The way that it played out, we were watching it, and I was like, did you write this? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I did. I'm Jennifer Corbett. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> Plot twist of the century. So it's just funny, because we talked about that last time, but like we were like, it's Bail. It's Bail. It was Rex. It was Rex. It was and Rex. like we should have known it was Rex, but... Known. I don't know. And he had a cool Kate moment. It, w- it was good. He did. It was so funny because when we were watching it, I-, I honestly was kind of surprised at the introduction of Rex, not with the cape. I love the cape. Don't get me wrong. I- I'm here for the cape. But his whole, like, you're in my seat, like, mm-hmm. that whole exchange. I was sitting, Charlotte was like, who is it? I was like, well, I'd be surprised if it was Rex. And literally takes down like, his head. <laughs> literally 10 seconds later. I was like, maybe it's Rex. And Kate was like, I'd be surprised. Well, just the, the whole, like, you're in my seat. And then he, like, kicks them out. That just- Honestly, that doesn't feel like Rex to me gonna be real that whole exchange um, but he's a new guy I guess he's being real loud for a man who's supposed to be dead yeah I guess that's true anyway the Kate moment was great yeah I'm glad that we got the Kate moment out of it but I mean okay overall what did you think of this episode I don't think we've covered that yet nine out of ten yeah yeah what's your favorite so far I feel like we always talk about my favorite I don't know um this one had the most drama action. I feel like I'll come back to this one a couple times. I don't know. I feel like they're all really good. This show is really surprising me, and it just keeps stopping itself, I think, for me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this one's great. Yeah, this one's great. I think that I'll have a clearer picture about what my favorite episode is at the end. Yeah, yeah. I think the action the past couple of episodes has really stepped up a couple of notches. From, like, what we're used to with animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, between, like, the Fennec episode, the action in that is so good yeah but then also the martez sisters one that action is like 
crazy cool too. Like we talked about last week with that was last week, right? Um, what is time? <laughs> As we say here, time is a flat circle. <laughs> with all the different levels in the factory, and then here with with Wrecker and like that abandoned ship, it was it was really cool. It was really. It was really tense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. And actually, like, I think the animation was so beautiful. I think this episode was pretty dark. Like, on our TV, it read really dark. But that doesn't mean it's bad. I think that it, like, really upped the tension. I think you said this earlier. Like, even with, like, the flashlight usage where it was, like, you could only see what the flashlight was casting light on. Yeah. It really did up the tension. And it was just so gorgeous we're like not even sticking to our notes no, i not at all. i feel like our notes were just kind of a hodgepodge in general when yeah, we were totally. watching this episode but all right let's 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 go with our general question okay favorite soft moment of the episode <laughs> okay oh my god well this episode had a lot of emotional heartstring moments and i would have to say when omega touched wrecker's face when wrecker was apologizing yeah. oh my god it's funny because i think our soft moments started as like something that was like really cute but yeah with this episode and the last episode for me they've been like really like emotional heartstring moments like poignant like, yeah poignant is the best word yeah. i think that <sighs> hands are a language you guys like even thinking about like the love that han places on ben's face like mm. both times that we see harrison yeah. ford in the sequel trilogy and it's like it is such a gesture of like i love you i forgive you and that's exactly what omega did to Wrecker, and it was like so much. I picture us on a couch. Like I was sobbing. Thirty this morning, crying sobbing. into our cold brew yeah. when, with Wrecker and Omega there at the end. I think that scene. I think that scene is definitely one for the ages. Honestly, I think it was such a sweet scene, and like so, it was so emotional. It was so poignant. I thought that Omega in this episode, like having Rex watch Omega and the rest of the Bad Batch I thought was really great like that kind of outsider perspective and we get a couple moments in this episode of Rex like the camera pans to Rex watching the rest of them and the moment in particular I have the same soft moment honestly as you I think it's hard to top that moment but the with Omega when she like takes Hunter aside for like a private meeting basically and is like is this the right thing to do for Wrecker? What if he doesn't wake up? What if all of you have problems and I'm left here alone? Yeah. It was, I was like, oh, oh. I know. And that, that like abandonment feel, it just, you could really feel that off the screen. And and earlier this week, there was a great article from StarWars.com with the voice of... Michelle Ang. Yeah, Michelle Ang with the voice of Omega. And she was talking about the recording process and if you guys have listened to any of our other animation episodes one of the things we love about the animation department is especially with Clone Wars and Rebels they're very well known and resistance to for they record together which is kind of from what I understand an anomaly in animation and voice acting and it's part of the reason that all of those casts have been very very close and obviously with Bad Badge a lot of the recording was done during 2020 so that was impossible and also Michelle Ang lives in New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, and Dee Bradley Baker is not basically the only people <laughs> in the cast. But in this really great article from Michelle Ang, she was talking about how they do still record together in real time, and they're on, like, video together. They, they Zoom. They Zoom record. They Zoom record. Batch. It's so um, crazy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was talking about how, like, great it was to, like, record with Dee Bradley Baker and about um, how they just, like, bounce off of each other with the emotions of these characters. And I think she specifically called out Hunter or uh, Wrecker and Omega's relationship and and Hunter too and these I don't know these just like really great parental moments between all of them and it really kind of feels from what Michelle said that kind of feels like what her relationship with Dee is like at least when they're recording you know mm-hmm. I don't know one it was a really great article you should read it if you haven't it's on StarWars.com um, but to that moment with Hunter and Omega talking about Hun- Omega being afraid of like being abandoned and left alone that just like really got me. I think it really spoke to like Omega's like deepest fears. That's what you know I was going mean? to say. I feel like it, what is Omega's want? And I think yeah, just like so many Star Wars characters, it's belonging, it's purpose, it's mm-hmm. camaraderie. It's like similarities with other people, I think. Yeah. And then her biggest fear is like any sort of loss of that. Yeah. And I don't know. I th- you were right. That article, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, if you haven't read it, it was really good because we haven't really heard that much from Michelle Mm-mm. before. And her comments about 
slipping into the role and how she's taken so much even from her own parenting because she has a son and how even like in the room when they're recording they're like I don't know she's she was like oh you know a child would actually do this and they've like incorporated that into the I don't know it just for me Omega like jumps off the screen because I feel like she's like basically fully realized like I don't know. It really works for she really works for me and yeah. every single episode I'm like, "Oh my gosh." Even I don't know. It's so crazy. I keep saying this every single episode, but the Wrecker and Omega relationship that they've like totally built up is so perfect. And I think it's because Wrecker has that like childlike mm-hmm. part of him and it just sort of really reflects on um Omega a lot. Yeah. But oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah, it was so good. There is just this like, great inquisitiveness about Michelle's portrayal of Omega. Yeah. And even, and you're right, of like like we've said about Wrecker, that, like, child-likeness that comes with him and his, he just, he loves spending time with Omega. <laughs> but the that ending scene that we've been talking about between when Wrecker, like, apologizes to Omega for what happened, um, the music behind them in that section, if you haven't, if it didn't jump for you when you first were watching this episode, I really encourage you to go back and listen to this part because it's just kind of that, like, child... Like, the tones of it are almost, like... I don't want to say carnival, but just, like, a little... Like a, like a music box, mm-hmm. almost. Like, kind of, like, single one notes, like, very soft and, and like something you would find in a music box. And it was just... It was really... It was perfect for that scene because both of them have such, like, a they're children at heart. I guess that's the way to describe Wrecker. He's a child at heart. Um, and, of course, Omega is actually a child. <laughs> <laughs> and that – but then to see, like, Omega being the one, like, granting forgiveness, it, it is kind of a reversal of roles, you know? And I don't know. I just – that scene was so good. <laughs> it was just – it was so touching. And it does make me wonder, something we've kind of been tracking, right, is, like, the character development of all of the Bad Batch members and how we've really kind of spent the most time with Hunter and Wrecker and their – really their relationships with Echo. So I wonder now that we've kind of had this arc with Wrecker, if – it'll be interesting to see if we shift to something more focused on Tech or Echo. Mm. You know, like, I don't know if it's kind of, like, if the series could be, like – portioned out that way of like this first half is really going to be focused on Wrecker because really now at this point Tech is really the only one aside from Crosshair but we haven't seen him for a while Tech is really the only one that we haven't spent that much concentrated time with because we we got that for Echo at least in Clone Wars you know so I wonder if we'll kind of shift maybe to his relationship with Echo more or Mm -hmm. I don't know just something uh, more concentrated on him you know what I mean yeah I think that's true Okay, I want to talk a little bit about Hunter, like in that transition, because yes, we've talked, we've seen a good character arc between, like, with Wrecker, and we've had a lot of focus on him, which is great, and I think that that really paid off. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of Hunter as well. And you're right, we haven't seen a lot of tech, and Echo was like a major focus of that Clone Wars arc. Mm-hmm. And I think Hunter, I don't know, he's really interesting to me because. he's still trying to figure it all out, you know? Like, his questions are, like, what's their place in the whole thing? And I think those are reflective of the audience's questions, too. And I've been, like, oh, they're going to join the Rebellion, they're going to join up with that group. And I don't think that's going to happen for a long time anymore. Like, in the beginning. Yeah, because because it was Rex and not Bale, I think that things have been delayed. Because, like, what we talked about before about how there's, like, different, like, story... What's the word I'm looking for? Implications. Implications going on. Connections. Like the crosshair issue, the fact that Fennec is tracing, chasing them, and the chips. Because now we've already met up with Rex and it didn't necessarily um, – not that it would because the way we meet Rex in Rebels is he hasn't really had contact with the Rebellion at all either. So it's actually interesting now that I say that out loud. But I do feel like with Hunter – I don't know. I do I do think that now I don't think by the end of the season we're going to get a connection with the rebellion. I think we're going to deal with unless Fennec is part of the rebellion in some way, but I don't think she is. I think you know, I think sometimes what you're talking I was thinking when you're talking about Rex and like him saying oh, I haven't had contact like any contact with the rebellion by the time we get to Rebels. Like what changes because he's clearly talking about meeting people at the rendezvous point, like So true. There's some there's something going on and I think something that we sometimes we fall into this trap with Star Wars, right? Is like 
like, almost like this episode, like I was talking about this episode being self-contained, of like self-containing a character to one thing, right? It's like, oh, by the end of this season, the Bad Batch are going to be with the Rebellion or with Fulcrum or whatever it is that Bale is calling it these days mm-hmm. and literally the two weeks after the fall of the Republic. Yeah, that's the thing is that there really is no Rebellion, right? Yeah. Like, they're still forming all, at least factions, which we see. They're, they're all still figuring out where each other are. I know. That's the thing. You know? And well, Actually, now that you mention that, we need to talk about how the fact that this episode implies that a lot of time has passed because they've done yeah. several different missions and have established a tradition and a routine, which 20, I like. Twenty. They charge 20, record charge 20 batches of Mantel mix. So 20 whole sit. missions. So it could be, it's like, it could be like 20 weeks. Yeah. If you think about it that way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but what I was going to say is that with, like, the timelines and stuff, right, like, Rex could have been involved with the Rebellion up until he decided not to be, mm-hmm. you know? And then that's when we see him in Rebels. And so, like, sometimes I find myself thinking that, like, oh, the Bad Batch, like, they're going to be with the Rebellion and, like, they're just going to do that for the rest of time until they're then with the Resistance, you know? And I think it's hard sometimes for me, for as much as you and I really like to focus on the bigger picture of Star Wars and, like, kind of tracking these timelines from a a bird's eye view, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we don't. Yeah. (laughs) And we're very much, like, in the story of, all right, what are they going to do this season? Like, this is it. This is what's going to decide their character development for ever. And it's not like that, you know? So they could very much be a part of whatever Bale is doing Mm -hmm. with Rex, and then they all decide to Like, later, you mean? Like, well, no, like, within within the, within Bad Batch, Mm -hmm. the show, like, if they're... Not this season, though. No, not this season. I think... My theory is that by the end of the season, they'll have – they're more decided on what they want to do. Yeah. I think that that's – the show is definitely presenting that. Even yeah. as, like, Sid gets more, like, it's all about the money. It's all about yeah. the money. And you don't – you get, like, 5% of it. You know? Yeah. That whole thing. And, like, And you owe me for the, the mix. The yeah. Popcorn. The Mantel mix. The oh Mantel mix. The Mantel mix is so cute. Wait, Caitlin, can we talk about that? Like, the – you um, brought it up today before we were leaving. Oh, yeah. So we got that press box from Disney for the Bad Batch. It came with, with this huge popcorn in it, and it was, like, colorful popcorn. Yeah. And it was called, like, Berry Blast Mix. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And now we were like, that was Mantel Mix, guys. I, you know, they could have said it was Mantel Mix. And, yeah. like, who's to say? It could just be, like, a coincidence. Yeah. But um, it's Mantel Mix. Yeah, it's Mantel Mix. Yeah, that's what I'm going to assume it is now. And now I feel like I'm in on Hunter or on Omega. In the Rutgers. Clone Clubhouse, you mean? Oh, my God, the Clone <laughs> Clubhouse. See, you guys, I hope we never lose Sid. I hope she, she's always in the background. <laughs> and also, I would also like to say that I would put money on the fact that Sid and Aunt Z from Resistance know each other. Yeah. They're totally, like... Th- that is a relationship I want to see. You know they're best friends. Right. They have to be. Yeah. Right? They both got bars. They both, like, don't take... Do you think they're best friends or do you think they're enemies? No, I think they're... Well, I think they're... I think... Both. <laughs> <laughs> I think they... I would bet, like, if I had to create a headcanon for Sid and Anzi, is that they've known each other for years. Years and years and years. And they used to run a bar together. Right? Or, like, they did something together. And then they had a falling out, but it was really a misunderstanding. So now they're, you know, on separate ends of the galaxy and never shall the two meet. But they never actively go against each other. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, like, one of those. Like, I hate her, but I would also never do anything to her. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That's it. <laughs> that's my really, um, I guess, I feel like if you haven't watched Resistance, that's, like, what the heck are you talking, talking about? about? But Ansi's great. Yeah. Her waffle tattoo. I know. It's, I, I always it, think about that. Right? It's so great. Yeah. Um. What were we talking about with Bad Batch? <laughs> the popcorn. The popcorn of it all. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was really cute. Um, oh, Hunter and, like, their purpose, right? The the topic we cannot stop talking about with this show is it is all about the clone's purpose, about the Bad Batch purpose. Who are they? What are they going to do? And as we need to rem- remember ourselves is that this is still early days after the fall of the Republic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even though time has passed, like we've talked about, this is the first time we've kind of dropped in on the middle of a mission with Bad Batch. Yeah. And it feels like they've like started a routine with Sid, for better or for worse. But something we talked about when we were watching it is this comment from Hunter to Sid after they turn in the lizard or whatever it is that they get for her. And he's like, oh, they ask, what is what are you going to do with this? What's the, what's the client want? And Sid is like, I don't know, and I don't care. And Hunter goes, yeah, only if you get a paycheck. And it's kind of judgy, mm-hmm. you know? And we were talking about it. We're like, that's literally what he said to Rafa 
last week when Rafa was like, what do you, like, why are you going to, you don't even know where this tactical droid is going. You're just going to give it away. And Hunter was like, yeah, I need the money, Mm -hmm. you know? And so to see that kind of change in his approach with Sid, it's like, oh, are the, are the wheels turning a little more for Hunter about what they're doing, why they're doing it? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the introduction of Rex like really makes sense at this juncture in the show because like all, now we have all these people that are kind of showing them a different path, you know, like from the Martez sisters and Rex now, like there are other things going on out there and what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Are they only going to be in it for the money for the rest of time? When we're dealing and talking with clones, we talk about morality and free will and everything. So now we have a piece of their brain that has been removed, right? This chip casual that has been removed that basically took away their free will, right? So Mm -hmm. the question is now, okay, so if we think about from this point on, they are free men, they're outlaws, but they're, they don't have a piece of technology in them that will make them do terrible, unspeakable things that could be manipulated, right? And possibly tracked. Right, exactly. So now the question becomes, okay, so we have all these things going, going for us, right? Which is perfect. Like this is why the show is really well written is because we have this question presented to Hunter, which is, okay, so are you going to keep doing stuff for money? And, like, that's okay. That's valid. But yeah. do you feel a moral responsibility against that? Like, if you're doing something that goes against what it is to be a good person, what it is to help a good cause, and it's just for the money, like, is, the, is your bottom line money or is it for a good cause? So it's like the concept of free will is brought up again where it's like, okay, so now he has this like actual choice. So before it, it, it's not like that choice wasn't present because it was because they weren't really taunted by their own chips. But the fact is, is that now we're living free (laughs) when we didn't before. Yeah. They lived within this, they lived within the structure of the Republic, even though they were so, convinced that they didn't yeah you know and we it's like at one point i'm thinking i'm like oh okay well the bad batch need to figure out like what is right and what is wrong because Mm -hmm. they've always i think they know that's the thing they do know know. like we see that especially in episode one with caleb Mm -hmm. and um that whole situation where hunter doesn't shoot caleb yeah (laughs) you know but it's always it's always been in like for lack of a better word like this safety net of the republic Mm -hmm. of like we already know that we're the good guys mm-hmm. because this is what we've been told that we are the, is good, the guys. good guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so now they don't have any of that, like that structure. And Hunter alludes to this too with them of, with, with Rafa um, at the end of last week of uh, what did he say? Oh, things were a lot clearer when we were soldiers mm-hmm. and they're not now. And so everything has to be muddy right now. Mm-hmm. Of, are they just doing it for money? Or, like, what is the deal? And I think, like, it feels like it's going to be Omega who's mm-hmm. going to be like, this is what we should be doing. Well, that's what's interesting, actually. You know? In this episode, when Rex was like, how'd you guys learn about the chips? Yeah. And they were like, oh, Omega. And I was like, is that actually true? But the yep. fact that they're, like, leading towards this whole idea about, like, the only reason why they had this knowledge is because of Omega mm-hmm. or, like, the only reason why we are where we are today is because of Omega is, like, interesting to me. Yeah. And also, like, just to kind of piggyback off that when talking about Omega, I'm, guys, I'm, like, fully convinced that Omega is an empath, okay? She understands things immediately and, like, completely feels the emotions of everyone around her. Mm-hmm. Comparatively, I don't know. I feel like she's just like so attuned to it. Like maybe she's just attuned to everyone's emotions and she's just like super smart and that's fine. But I don't know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> In our show notes, I was like, is Omega just smart? Because <laughs> when she when she first meets Rex, she's like, oh, you're a generation one clone. And Rex is like, how do you know that? She goes, she says the lines on your face, but she means wrinkles. She means battle scars. <laughs> I, I, did I mention that that's from Twilight? Yeah, we talked about okay, it. Okay, good, 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 yeah, good. No, I just no, no, want to no. like re- remind everyone that that's from the Twilight Saga. From the character Jasper. Jasper. <laughs> Jasper uh, Hale. When, when uh, in Breaking Dawn. Yeah. Right when he's training mm-hmm. the werewolves mm-hmm. and the vampires. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> Actually, okay. Just a side note on Twilight for a little bit. Charlotte and I tried pre-COVID. Uh, you can rent the uh, Twilight House. 
as yeah. an Airbnb. But you know, now it's booked for four years. No. Four years. We no, were going to do no, it. They, no, Caitlin, it's booked out, for four. No, no, you have to do it a month ahead of time. No. Did they change it? They changed it. It's four years. We missed it. <laughs> anyway, um, Charlotte and I have actively tried to reserve the uh, Twilight Bella Swan house as an Airbnb, um, the house where they filmed. Would have been really great, but alas, four years out, and you know, I'd rather spend that money on the Star Wars Hotel. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Let's talk about the animation in this episode. We briefly touched upon it, but it was gorgeous. I said that the episode was dark, and I think that it definitely did have those horror movie vibes. I wanted to talk also about how there's a, there's a part of this episode to me that's, like, evocative of something, and I cannot put my finger on it. And when Omega shoots Hunter, or at Hunter, not shoots right. Hunter... Oh, shoots at Wrecker. Well, Hunter's there. Uh, <laughs> He's somewhere on this there. <laughs> well, he was right there. And um, when he shoots at Wrecker and Hunter, when she does, um, and she runs away from Wrecker, I don't know. That whole sequence to me was like, I couldn't put my finger on it. I was trying to like bounce ideas off of Caitlin. Like, was it similar to the Jurassic Park when the kids are in the kitchen and tim and lex get in the like kitchen counter and they are like pulling down the i don't know the um the like kitchen things i don't know it was like there was the kitchen things there was like a there there was definitely a horror element and then i recently watched aliens which also has like a little girl as like a major like a major character that like joins the squad and i was like that's really similar to her because she an alien she like lived on the ship by herself and i don't know it was. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I would say that it was like pretty inspired by those movies, at least in like a, maybe a small way. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it definitely falls into like a lot of films in that like tension. Of yeah, someone going after someone else. It's dark. Like, do they actually know where they are? Right, you know, that whole thing. But yeah, it, once you said the Jurassic Park thing, it definitely. I've only seen Jurassic Park a couple of times, but um, <laughs> Charlotte shaking her head at me. <laughs> Such just, a shame. You know what? I'm sorry. It just it kind of scares me. <laughs> it's not that scary. I just. It's kind of scary. You know, I can't. I don't do horror films. Charlotte, when she was in Georgia a couple weeks ago, she wanted to. We talked about going to go see a Quiet Place too, and mm-hmm. I was like. I, I I can't do that with you. I saw it. It was great. And, you know, I'm really happy for mm-hmm. you. You know, I'm really happy mm-hmm. for you. Folks. I mean, honestly, last night, we went to the 40th anniversary last night of Raiders of the Lost Ark. God. And it was a D23 event. And it was Caitlin's first movie in the back in the movie theater. Yeah. It was awesome. It was a great time. Um, so good. But the sound <laughs> was really... So excellent good. it was really loud and like the screen it was amazing to see it on the big screen like highly recommended if you have any show times that are still playing mm-hmm. for the 40th anniversary um but you know sometimes i forget how kind of scary that movie can be like especially with the yeah. sound like the the ghosts at the end the snakes in the, the inside the temple when yeah the arc. just yeah. like so much sometimes the, the part that's really scary is when marion um, i know with the zombie yeah, yeah. and the snakes coming out of the, the mouth, mouth yeah I, I literally covered my eyes yeah um. and like that's what's crazy is that yeah. it, i just sometimes forget that it's kind of spooky and yeah. i was thinking about you because i was like oh caitlin probably hates this <laughs> <laughs> it's just not my choice <laughs> Anyway, animation. It's good for a little bit. Oh my god! But all- okay, we're still here. <laughs> a, whole, a whole movie like that, I just I could not do. Anyway, yeah, back to animation. Yeah, this this episode really showcased, I think, all of the skill of the animation oh department. The lighting, the water, the smoke at the end. The water. The water. If the you water- are a longtime Sky Talkers listener, you know. I hate this about us. I know, me too. <laughs> you know, we pretend to understand animation, okay? <laughs> we love it, so we're fans, okay? Yeah. But if you go back and watch any, you know, our formative days of Star Wars fandom, when we would watch the bonus features on the Clone Wars DVDs, and they would talk about how hard it was to render water. Water and hair. That's what they... Water and hair. Which, that's not like unique to Star Wars. That's That's like in general. But that's our touchstone for it. Yes. And I mean... Let's just talk about how far we've come with this amazing water effect. You were like, it's real. It's real. It's It's real. real. If you, like, took out the rest of the the shots. Like, whatever that species was, if it was a sarlacc or something. Yeah, the scary thing. Yeah. And you just had the water, the splash of water, and you compare that to, like, an actual, like, a real world splash of water. You, 
you put that in front of like a blind audience, they can't tell the difference. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it was so good, and and even and the end too. The end was probably my favorite actually, with the smoke um, as Rex like disappeared into the night. Oh my god, that was a, quite the exit. It was so <laughs> mysterious. Sure, they look at each other. We're like, didn't they come on one ship? Where yeah. are they going? Are they actually, going? they did not come on one ship. Mm-hmm. They met him there, but we had forgotten that at the time. And we're like, where is he going? He's leaving. What, it- of course, they thought about that. We're like, <laughs> they didn't think about it. Plot hole. Like, I caught it. I caught it. <laughs> no, no, watch it again. Skytalkers, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was so good. Oh my God. And when they arrived on Braca, Braca. the and they're just standing there amid the, the ship graveyard, it literally looked like concept art. It was well, beautiful. Well, that's the thing. So I know, Caitlin and I, you know aren't huge video game people but yeah. we through the you know the days of old we are aware that Braga was in Jedi Fallen Order we were like oh yeah how do we know that oh it's from in Jedi Fallen Order which we haven't played because we don't have those consoles unfortunately but so I know it's probably like lifted from that in a lot of ways but I could have sworn that a lot of like when the crew was navigating inside of these like like graveyards basically they they call it a graveyard it's very gothic yeah in a weird way um it felt so similar to like a lot of the rise of skywalker concept mm-hmm. art that we've seen of ray traversing the um the inside of the de- second death star and which i think is like such a beautiful sequence like it's like part yeah. of it's so cool yeah and so it makes sense to me that they'd like kind of lift from that or even reference it because that's just how star wars works oh there would have been so much concept art too from like jedi fallen order yeah well. totally yeah, and i have you know. that book too actually i totally you recommend do. that yeah, you do. concept book and i'm not home obviously we're in new york city so i can't reference it but someone please reference it and see if there's anything in there yeah that would be really cool one of the things that i thought just as an aside within this episode is the mention of the Scrapping Guild. Yes. In the timeline, the Scrapping Guild was established during the Clone Wars. I don't know if that fact is established in that <laughs> I fall in order or if it's somewhere in the Clone Wars. I don't know. This is my first interaction with the Scrapping Guild. You can tell know. me if there's a Clone Wars episode and I've forgotten it. But one, we talked about this a lot during the Mandalorian of just like the Bounty Hunters Guild and just... Again, word choice is so important in these kinds of things, and guild is just really evocative of like medieval times and Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And um, there's so many guilds like, though now. Organized chaos, yeah. in a way, and like a, a, a touch of lawlessness mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're talking about guilds. And I think it's so interesting because for a long time I kind of assumed that guilds, like the bounty hunters guild specifically, was established after the rise of the empire. And I don't know that, so maybe that's not true. But the idea that, like, all these guilds have kind of, like, popped up all throughout kind of our main timeline with Star Wars, like the Scrapping Guild coming up in sometime during the Clone Wars, I don't know, it seemed, like, early to me, but... I guess if, like, you have an unstable government, which you did during the time of the second trilogy, it, it makes sense. I don't know. I really like the guilds. I hope... I would love to see, like, a full story just about them. And I believe the character in Jedi Fallen Order, he's part of the Scrapping Guild. Mm. Is, I think I read that on Wikipedia. Oh, I don't know, Kayla. I think I did. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, again, haven't played but, it. <laughs> don't, don't know. know. But I would love to fans see... fans of that series, the, so that video games are, like, They're screaming so at us, They're and I'm so, so sorry. It looks so good. I want to play it so bad. And that's why I haven't really delved too deep into spoilers or anything like that, because I'm so tempted to buy it on eBay, like, to buy, like, a console on eBay and then just play it, like, literally. Like, if I... I don't know. We don't have the budget. I don't have the budget for that. We don't have the that. budget for that. I'm gonna... I, I don't personally have the budget for it. It's no, never. It's not going to happen, no. but maybe someone like... will give me some. I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe a, a hand-me-down from, like, a family member. Yeah, that could happen. When they, like, upgrade their PlayStation or something. Like, yeah. It could happen. Just <laughs> 2021 is the year of manifestation, and if we can't have Hot Girl Summer, we'll have PlayStation, PlayStation Summer. PlayStation Summer. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay, back to the Scrappers Guild, though. So, okay, so my limited knowledge as we've presented here, number one, what the heck? I felt like we got Kylo Ren at the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. That guy, his mask, his voice, it I was looks like, like sir. It was similar to, like, um, Knights of the Old Republic, like, I think Revan's yeah. mask. Like, it was really yeah. similar to me. I was like, yeah. what? Again, I'm not familiar, but I know enough. And <laughs> just, no defense, I know enough. Yeah, I know enough. I know what Revan looks like. Yeah, and I was like, "What the heck?" This like Kylo Ren sound in voice. Like, was it Matthew Wood? I don't remember. And I, I felt like 
I don't know. We're going to have another foe introduced to this show. It's interesting. Again, so many people going after, after them. Our, after our group. After well, our okay. Actually, go, to go back to that. So now we have someone maybe after the group versus Fennec is just after Omega. And versus... Hair and that crew is after the whole group, too. And Sid, who and is Sid. like, I'm just going to keep this in my back pocket until it's convenient for me. Right. Until, like, there's a higher bidder for the group. You know, honestly, I love that for her. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I really like Sid. Girl boss, gatekeep, gaslight. I really like Sid. I just, I love her whole vibe. I, yeah, you know, she tells it like it is. I love her, her whole, her office. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I want to go back to the Scrappers Guild because we've been, like, oh, yeah, 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 diverged a couple times. But my limited knowledge of it. I don't know. I, my mind started to wander. Like, okay, so if Ray's a scavenger and she scraps metal from old imperial ships, right? Mm-hmm. Is was Unkar Plut part of a scrappers guild? Like, how does that even work? Is that why Ray works for him? I don't know. I I felt like maybe that's out there. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Is there a connection there? Maybe. Maybe I, not. I feel like Bad Batch has brought up a lot of connections that we kind of only. No vaguely. Yeah, no vaguely. Which is interesting. Um, yeah. I feel like there's been a lot of those. I'm starting yeah. to question my Star Wars knowledge here. As always. Yeah. There's just so much mm-hmm. to keep up with. Okay. So I feel like we talked a lot, like, around a lot of things. But, like, can we talk about the substance of this episode just for a second and, like, our yeah. general, like, understanding of it and how a lot happened? Like, we had been talking about this happening with the whole go- good soldiers follow orders for a long time. Mm-hmm. But coming out of it, I don't know. I feel like we've reached a peak now with the series. Yeah. And I do think, like I said, like, I feel like the series keeps topping itself for me. But I think that this was – hit some, like, really high emotional points that – I think Clone Wars or Rebels might have stretched out over two episodes. I'm not saying that this this, epi- like, this episode went by fast, but I would say that like it packed a lot of punches, and I don't know a lot a lot happened in it. Like we had the introduction of Rex. Like mm-hmm. we should also talk about that. Like it was great to see Rex again, and while we didn't expect him to come up, like we said, like him to be the hologram. Yeah, I didn't expect him to be the hologram. Like we did expect him to come up. I should edit myself there. I think you're right in that it made sense for this to kind of be the first hurdle for them to get over was the inhibitor chip. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like really like, all right, what is next? Yeah. Like I'm I'm imagining a whiteboard in like the Lucasfilm audience uh, uh, in the Lucasfilm (laughs) offices. The infamous whiteboard. You know, they have so many whiteboards and they, in story meetings, they like whiteboard it all out. My favorite story about this the whiteboard, sorry. Is the Dave Filoni drawing? Is the Dave Filoni drawing. <laughs> and Ryan Johnson was in that meeting room. Yeah. And he was like, I can't erase this. I'm not erasing he it. He was like, I can't do it. And they're like, it's fine. And he was like, Do you remember what drawing it was? Was it Ahsoka? It was, yeah, it's Ahsoka and Vader. And oh it, my God. it was left on that whiteboard for like a year at least. <laughs> like no one would erase it. And finally, like Ryan Johnson is in this room. And he's like, I'm not doing it. And they're like, no, 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 no. We need to. It's fine. And he's like, no. no. And, he, and I think he, like, made people, like, really photograph well. <laughs> I think he did actually end up, well, not him, maybe, but Someone they else. did erase it uh, for No, well, I think last, they had to. I think, well, again. It's too much story in had, The Last Jedi. They had to do that thing where they, like, covered over it with other expo markers mm-hmm. to erase it, you know, because it had been on there so long. Mm-hmm. It was that thing. Anyway, I just think it's funny that it was Ryan Johnson who, like, yeah. finally had to be like, oh, you all made, you, you all left it to me. <laughs> You made me make this decision. Yeah. Anyway, the whiteboards are infamous, and yeah. uh, they're great. Sorry. Yeah. And I just – I picture all the conflicts that the Bad Batch has to face on a whiteboard, and it's like, okay, check for the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that – I don't know. I, I will wonder – okay, so we, the episode is called Battle Scars, right? Yeah. And I think that Omega recognizes, like, physical battle scars, but now they all have, like, scars on top of their heads, right, of, like, the removal of their chips. Yeah. And how will that affect them going forward? Like, I I think that we're like, oh, it's over, like, it's done, like, that whole piece is done, but I don't know how it's going to come up again. I wonder if it will or if, like, there's some scarring over the fact that Rucker could have killed them all. Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't know if that will come up. I probably won't, but because I think that immediately – Omega forgave yeah. Wrecker, which I think was, like, the main conflict point, right? Yeah. But Well, and the fact that, like, Wrecker isn't worried about the others. Yeah. You know, because they've all... They've seen each other through everything, mm-hmm. you know? And even the fact that they still... You know, even though we haven't seen Crosshair for a while, it was something we talked about at the beginning of the season where they 
we're talking about him a lot and we're like, this is unfortunate. And Hunter carries a lot of emotional baggage about what happened across there. Again, he's the one we've talked to the most about it. We, that we've talked to the most about it. <laughs> that we know. We know. Hunter, hello. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that Wrecker is worried about Omega's perception of him just, I think it says a lot. I think this episode, to summarize it, really hit home just how attached they all are to each other yeah. at this point, especially Hunter, Omega, and Wrecker. Mm-hmm. Like, we see, like, when Wrecker turns around as, like, good soldiers follow orders, and we see Hunter just, like, grab Omega and, like, basically throw her somewhere else <laughs> into safety. It just, it really, it really says a lot about their attachment to each other. And, and that, I never think, I don't think I ever finished this thought, like, 30 minutes ago, but of Rex watching them yeah. and understanding, like, oh, this could, this could be a problem one day, you know, when Hunter tells Omega, you're with us for the long haul, kid. And then it pans up to Rex and he's like, mm. who is this? Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. It's interesting. But I think that, you know, I think there's, there's the three big problems of this season. It's the inhibitor chips, it's crosshair and it's Omega. And like, who is after her? Like the Fennec piece of Omega story. I think those are kind of our three big prongs, I would say. And we've, we've introduced all of them. We've resolved one of them more or less. And now we have two left. I just want to say one thing about the Rex observing the Omega moment. Mm-hmm. I think that that was partially ominous, that you like what you allude yeah. to. But also, I think that there was this interesting moment where you could maybe compare what maybe Rex was looking upon that situation and thinking of his relationship with Ahsoka and how mm. Ahsoka came to them when she was such a like a child, yeah, and kind of grew with them and everything, and how that was and like to your point, like that ended ominously too so yeah. I wonder how that's but the, like there was a Jedi involved like <laughs> you know there was like the whole thing right we don't we still don't, we, you know Omega no we don't know anything about Omega could be more sensitive. I know and like even Rex was like I've never met a clone like you and it, yeah it really makes me I just don't think she's a clone of Jango Fat. like I just don't no I really I really don't she's gotta be something different also the fact that she knows that she doesn't have an inhibitor chip yeah I think is so interesting because like what if she actually does I know or has something <gasps> else, or a tracker, or something like that, and she just, she ne- doesn't know it. Oh, that can't be true, because they have the scanner thingy, but maybe she has a different thing. But if they didn't scan her... But did they scan her? I don't know. I don't remember. Well, I guess tech used used Rex as a baseline. Yeah, and if she's not a Django clone... Or, like, a phase one or whatever. Like, she's, like, a newer one. Oh, shoot. I didn't even think about that. Could be another problem coming down the pipeline. <laughs> a different, like, maybe something, like, better than an inhibitor chip. I don't know. Again, if she's the perfect clone, is a force-sensitive clone yeah. you can manipulate, that would be, if I were the Cam- If you were Kaminoans, an evil cloner. If I were an evil Kaminoan, I would. that is the type of clone I'd try to make. Me too, and I think that's what, what they were getting at in The Mandalorian. I feel like we're going to get those answers, and yeah. it's going to be some sort of corporate synergy, but I feel like, <laughs> maybe not corporate, maybe I shouldn't say, that sounds so like, oh my Story god. Synergy. Story synergy. Story synergy. Story synergy. <laughs> Um, corporate energy. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's what we're leading to. I just maybe we're not. I don't know, but I just it feels right. Yeah. Okay. So, do you think we're gonna see Crosshair next week? Yes, I think so too. I think that I've seen a lot of tweets from creators being like, "You're not ready for the second half of the season." And you know what? I'm not ready. You know, I don't appreciate their foreboding. <laughs> Like I do. That. I do. <laughs> I do too. I like it. But I'm also like, every time they lead up to an episode like this, it's like, oh my God, I can't wait. And it's like, oh, oh no. Uh, 25 minutes and then I'm going to have to wait another week. I know. It's be so sad. I tweeted this today, but it's true. Like, I'm actually glad it's week to week because I just need to recover emotionally each freaking week after yeah. every single one of these. If it was like back to back to back, it would be like, I'd be in therapy immediately after (laughs) (laughs) especially depending on where this season ends as far as like what they're doing yeah totally yeah such a good episode this episode was really good i it really hit home the wrecker and hunter and omega getting to see rex was crazy do you think we'll see rex again this season as we wrap up Mm, 
I don't know. I don't know about the season just because the the leaving was so ominous. So he literally walked down a ramp when he was smoke. like, "You know where to find me." I was like, "I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the season." The thing is, something that someone in our uh, Discord brought up was that we've basically seen. I think it was Joey again. We always reference well, yeah, Joey. Joey. Joey has great points. Joey's the MVP. Yeah, <laughs> great, great of points. The Discord this week yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, and I I think that he said that we had seen all of the footage that we had seen in the oh, in the, the trailer, trailer so far. Yeah. Which is like always the thing. I feel like they always do that with like halfway, but oh my god. I think I think he could come up again. Yeah. I think Rex I think in this might, in this season? I think so. I think it's definitely a possibility. I mean I think we'll definitely have uh Fennec again this season. And then and then who there's also the problem of whoever hired Fennec. There's right. So there's still so many threads. Wow. So many threads. So many threads. I really hope I, – I really think the next week we'll see Crosshair. I think it's time to cycle back to him and what he's been doing, what the Empire has been doing with the clones, if they figured out about Omega. Because remember, no one knows that Omega is special and that she's actually the four, fifth true member of the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Unlike – it's not Echo, right? Right. Anyway, I think that's just a really interesting um, secret that the mm-hmm. Kaminoans are kind of keeping to themselves. So I do want to check back in with that. And I'm, I'm hoping it's next episode. We have to see Crosshair sitting sadly in the Bad Batch Bachelor pad again. You know, it's just... <laughs> the Clone Clubhouse, the, the Bad Batch Bachelor pad. <laughs> We've got it. I love the show. I, lo- <laughs> <laughs> I love it, too. Uh, well, is there anything else that we haven't covered yet for this episode? No, it was so good. It was really good. I feel like we we're kind of all over the place. It's talking. okay. This is what happens when we're together, together recording. Actually, honestly, yeah. so and but it's it's the most fun. So. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we had a really good time recording this, and yeah, we've really enjoyed this episode. And of course, it's always a treat to get to watch it together. And, mm-hmm. yeah, had a really great time with it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to find us online to talk more about Bad Batch or anything Star Wars, you can find us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, our Instagram, Facebook. We're on TikTok now. Oh, my gosh. Um, we're going to be sharing more about our trip this weekend. <laughs> so if you want to see what we've been up to, you can head on over to our TikTok and check that out, too. Um, we're really trying on TikTok, guys. Yeah, I know. Almost a little too much. <laughs> it's okay. It's fun, though, actually. We love TikTok, um, yeah. so we have to be there. Yeah, it's it's really great. And I don't know. I feel like we're, like, showing off more of our Star Wars merch and stuff yeah. that we have. The bad the, pit obsession that I have really yeah. is on there. And my stationery. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars stickers and stuff like that. Anyway, you can find us there. And also, if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really love it if you took a second to leave us a review on iTunes and tell us what you think of the show. It helps other people find our show and check us out, too. Yeah. And if you're looking for other ways to support us, you can head on over to Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Join our Discord. Yeah. Maybe get a shout out like Joey does apparently every week. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we love our Discord community and uh, the conversation in our Bad Batch channel is really great every week. Um, and I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons. B, Talking Bay 94, Talia, Anton, Daniela, Alyssa, Heidi, Alex, Timothy, Kitty, Emily, Adam, Emma, John, Dylan, and Alex. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.